The word of the Lord from Luke chapter 22, verses 7 through 20. Then came the day of unleavened bread, on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. So Jesus sent Peter and John, saying, Go and prepare the Passover for us, that we may eat it. They said to him, Where will you have us prepare it? He said to them, Behold, when you have entered the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him into the house that he enters, and tell the master of the house, The teacher says to you, Where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? And he will show you a large upper room furnished. Prepare it there. And they went and found it just as he had told them, and they prepared the Passover. And when the hour came, he reclined at table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise the cup after they had eaten, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. When Jesus celebrates the Last Supper with his disciples, sorrow and death are in the air. He is the ultimate Passover lamb, after all, the one who comes to take away the sins of the world. He and the twelve are gathered to eat and remember that once upon a time, the Israelites were held captive in Egypt, enslaved for 400 years. They'd prospered anyway, which only meant that Pharaoh had more cheap labor for the nation. And when they grew too many in number, Pharaoh rewarded the blessing by by killing their children. Nothing they did could set them free, for their captors were just too powerful. Even when Moses arrived with the command of God, Pharaoh wouldn't budge, and plague after plague failed to convince him otherwise. But then, then came the tenth plague, the Passover, when the Lord declared that he would come through the land and take the lives of every firstborn male, man, and beast. There would be great sorrow and death then, but the Lord provided a rescue for his people. They were to take a lamb without blemish, slaughter it, mark their doors with its blood, and then eat the lamb for dinner. That night when the lambs were sacrificed, when the Lord passed through the land, he passed over the homes marked with blood and he spared the lives of all inside. By sunrise, the Egyptians were mourning and pleading with the Israelites to go. 
And it wouldn't be long after that Israel's captors were soundly defeated when Pharaoh and his army were drowned in the sea. God's people were alive and they were free because of his mercy for them and because of the blood of the Passover lamb. The Lord commanded them to celebrate the Passover every year to remember, to remember his mercy, to remember his deliverance. Now, at the Last Supper, the Lord in the flesh celebrates the meal with his disciples, and the tone is somber. If there's any doubt of what lies ahead, Jesus tells the disciples, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. Why has he earnestly desired to eat this meal with them? It is for their good. He uses this meal to teach them, comforting them and preparing them. John's gospel has several chapters that record his words to the disciples at this meal. As he has told them before, he is going to suffer and die, and his death has a purpose. As the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, his death will be the sacrifice that gets the job done. When his body is sacrificed and his blood is shed, all who believe in him will be freed from captivity to sin and death. They will be God's holy people, released and on the way to the promised land of heaven. They will be free, but the cost is steep. The Lamb of God must bear their sins to take them away. He must die so that they live. So Jesus gathers the twelve and eats this meal with them to tell them that the time has come for him to be crucified for their redemption. I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer, says Jesus, but that's not all that he says. With his very next breath, he adds, For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And a couple verses later, he says, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. Now the dead don't eat, and the dead don't drink. In the midst of Jesus' announcement that his death is imminent, he also tells his disciples that he will live again. He will rise again. And by his death and resurrection, he will open his kingdom to his people. His cross might be near at hand, but so is his victory. He will deliver his people from the Egypt of their sin into his kingdom forever. And how will he keep them in the faith, maintain their citizenship in the kingdom until they actually reach it? How will he feed them in their wilderness until they reach the promised land? Well, he takes bread, he gives thanks, he breaks it and gives it to them and says, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Then he likewise takes the cup of the fruit of the vine and says to them, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. So once, back in Egypt, the Passover lamb's blood was shed and the Israelites ate it for supper at the Lord's bidding. And so the Lord saved lives and delivered them. Now the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world gives his body up to suffering and allows his blood to be shed for the salvation of the world 
Then he gives his body and blood to his people in his supper. By that holy meal, he forgives their sins. By that holy meal, he maintains their faith and citizenship in his kingdom. Until you arrive at the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom comes to you at the altar because the king comes to you and gives himself to you. And so you are here. You come to eat the body and drink the blood of Jesus. Do this in remembrance of me, he says, and remembering, you come. Now, let us dispense with a little bit of silliness that has cropped up. Some maintain that since Jesus speaks of remembrance, it means that he is long gone, and this is a symbolic meal of only bread and wine. After all, when we gather in remembrance of someone who has died, we gather in their memory because they are no longer with us. I would kindly point out two things. One is that while we do remember the dead, we also remember the living. If we have met before tonight, and you recognize me when you arrive this evening, it means that you remembered me. You and I need not be dead to be remembered, nor need we be absent. The other is that, yes, we freely admit that Jesus died, which would normally mean that he is not around to be recognized. But we also rejoice that he is risen from the dead, that he who suffered and died for our sins is alive again to forgive us. So, remember. Remember your need for his grace, because sin, death, and devil want to take you captive again. Many of your sins do not feel like enslavement, but that means nothing. As horrid as slavery in Egypt was, the Israelites still thought they missed it when they were in the wilderness. They were willing to exchange freedom under God for vegetables. The measure of sin is not how much you dislike it. The measure of sin is that God declares it unholy. Remember your sin. Remember your need for forgiveness. And remember that forgiveness comes at no little cost, that God became flesh to suffer in your place. His hands and feet made just like yours, they were nailed to that cross for your salvation. This meal is one that comes from the sacrifice of the Passover lamb. As often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim his death until he comes. Remember this, too. He will come again in glory because he is risen from the dead. When you eat his body and drink his blood, you eat that which was given up to death and you drink that which was shed on the cross in your place. But you also eat and drink that which has conquered death, never to die again. The Lord puts his immortal body and blood into your frail and failing body. And so he sustains your faith until the day when he raises you from the dead with an undying eternal body and blood of your own. Enough for now. Our absolution goes long on Holy Thursday that you might hear of God's forgiveness for you and the supper still lies ahead. Remember and rejoice until you stand in the kingdom of glory 
The king comes to you, sharing his death and his life for your salvation. As he joined you to his death and resurrection in your baptism, he does so again with his body and blood. Take and eat, take and drink his body and blood given for you, and always remember his grace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.